Welcome back. Sunday morning. It's Mile High Magazine. Glad you are here. I am Murphy Houston. You know how this goes. I get some wonderful guests on. We talk about all kinds of Colorado-related topics and why they do what they do. And, well, let's just get into this. My guest this morning, and the first one is Mr. Paul Archer. Paul, how are you? Good, Houston. Thank you. Well, first name is Murphy. Last name is Houston. I'm, I know that. But Thanks, Murphy. That's, that's all right. That happens a lot because Murphy's an unusual first name, but you, you can blame my dad for that. So that's, yeah. that's the way it is. So I'm, I'm just curious. So you're kind of like the nonprofit king of Denver and all of Colorado because you have started three different nonprofits here. Let's talk about those. Uh, the ones okay. I see in the notes that you sent over here, the first one is the Coalition for Effective Healthcare. Talk about that one. Okay. Um, that grew out of something the state did in 2008 called the 208 Commission. State uh, created a commission of 30 people from around the healthcare industry who solicited proposals to reform our healthcare system. So this predates the Affordable Care Act. Okay. And we. The, the, the three things that ail our healthcare system are cost. We have the most expensive healthcare system in the world by far. Access, we had at the time about 17% of Coloradans and frankly 17% of Americans who had no health insurance. Now that didn't necessarily mean people couldn't access the healthcare system because care wasn't deprived of people who didn't have insurance, but they didn't have the ability to access the system um, in a more normal fashion, I and see. then third, third quality. So the 208 Commission was created to address the cost, access, and quality um, challenges of the healthcare system. So they solicited uh, proposals from anybody who wanted to write a proposal on how to fix the healthcare system. At the time, the South Metro Denver Chamber, of which I was a member had a healthcare policy task force with the audacious goal of fixing the healthcare system. <laughs> yeah. So we used to meet with uh, 50 people. We'd have a monthly meeting and 50 of us would meet and we'd talk about the fix to the healthcare. And the standing joke was whoever wasn't represented at that meeting, the problems of the system were their fault. So if we didn't have hospitals <laughs> there, it was their fault. If we didn't have insurance companies there, it was their fault. If we didn't have drug companies, there was their fault, et cetera. So when this 208 commission came up, we wanted to write a proposal. And you can't write a proposal with 50 people. Oh, gosh, no. So it devolved down to about six of us who went into continued intense study of the healthcare system. And we wrote a proposal and sent it to the 208 commission, which made it to the semifinals. So the purpose of the commission was to select finalists to adopt in the state level. And then of the finalists, they would financially model them. Well, we got to the semifinals. We were told by every member of the commission that we talked to that we had by far the most creative solution to the issues of the healthcare system. Wonderful. But systems always protect themselves, um, Murphy. So. Yeah. You you have there's very few systems who will say, hey, let's figure out how to totally transform ourselves in a way that will reduce revenue, change the fundamental dynamics of what we're doing. (laughs) Sure. 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 So systems will always look at things in terms of uh, protecting the status quo. So the the ones that advanced to being uh, modeled were all status quo systems with basically expansions of our uh, 
system of employer-based health insurance with some expansion of government insurance and so on. So sure. in the healthcare world, people access health insurance through three ways, employers, government-based programs like Medicare, Medicaid, and then individual insurance. And individual insurance is the smallest by far. Of oh, I'm sure. Sure. Right. Well, we, we were, as I said, operating under the sponsorship of the South Metro Denver Chamber. Um, we, our bill was, or our proposal wasn't advanced. We thought it was the best idea. We read all the other bills. We thought it would actually do the three things that were intended to be accomplished. Sure. And so to keep that going, we created the Coalition for Effective Healthcare. So that group of us, uh, got together. We created a 501c3, actually. One of our members was a lawyer, and there are some fine lines between what makes a three and a four. Three is contributions to a three are ta- tax deductible to the donors. A four contributions are not. A three is kind of community interest. A four is political action. Sure. And um, we created it as a three. So we advocated for health care reform but we weren't seeking political office and uh, that type of thing. I got it. Okay. So uh, actually found a bill sponsor for a bill. And it's kind of an interesting story of how we um, even collaborated with people who are single payer advocates, uh, AKA Medicare for all. That's not our plan. Our right. plan is a market based um, plan. So, we spent uh, countless hours planning, writing, uh, advocating. I spoke all over the community about uh, what appropriate healthcare would look like. Periodic. I'm a business owner, not in the healthcare industry, but periodically I would be asked right, by right. people in the healthcare industry, "What are you doing talking about healthcare?" <laughs> I would say, <laughs> yeah. "Well, I'm a." I'm a business owner. I pay for it. It's my second largest expense and my fastest growing expense and my least controllable expense in business. And the same is true of really every business in America. Right. So, and that's still going today, right? Um, it's it's still. Yeah. Excuse me. It's still intact, but it's not active. The Affordable Care Act came along and we tracked the Affordable Care Act. Uh, carefully and studied it. One of our members read the whole thing, 2,700 pages. We put together wow. presentations on it. We talked to people in the community. So the Affordable Care Act was supposed to reduce costs, improve access, and improve quality. Well, it's it's failed on two of those and made marginal progress on the third. So it's accelerated the cost of the healthcare system. So we still have the world's most expensive healthcare oh, system yeah. by far. No doubt. And it's it's uh, consuming a greater share of our total gross domestic product. In terms of access, we've gone from 17% uninsured to 11. So we still have a large number of people uninsured. Right, right. And the whole, the whole change, the whole delta, was really a massive expansion of Medicaid. Okay. So very little uptick in the insurance market, big uptick in Medicaid. So in Colorado, for example, 700,000 people had uh, Medicaid before the Affordable Care Act. Today it's 1.7 million people. So oh, gosh. one in three Coloradans is, is covered right. by Medicaid. Well, that's keeping going. Paul, we're going to have to pick this up. I'll never get all three of these before we're done. 
So okay. quickly, give me, and I mean quickly, I got about uh, seven minutes left here. Cornerstone okay. Productions. What's Cornerstone Productions? Cornerstone Productions is an uh, 501c3 whose purpose is um, to share values-based speakers and entertainments. And I'll, I'll read to you from our website. We wish to share with our friends and bear witness of the joy, truth, and hope that is available to all through the redeeming power of Jesus Christ. We do so with an attitude of hope, encouragement, and understanding. So what we've seen in our society is an increasing secularization of society and a move away from religion. Right. And we're actually organized religion advocates. Irrespective of the religion, we're organized religion advocates. We think that organized religions do great things in our communities. They do great things in the lives of people. They do great things in the lives of groups of people. They are a wonderful means of outreach. I serve regularly with the church in Aurora uh, doing outreach to uh, people experiencing homelessness. Good for you. And our, our purpose is not just to feed them, but to feed them spiritually and to get them on a path where they can move out of homelessness and into a productive life. Well, when I go out every other week with Main streets to the main streets. It's there are typically multiple churches um, involved in that, like mine, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints, or the Mennonite Church, or other community churches. And they have the ability to organize people, to catalyze people, and to bring resources to issues. Well, so Cornerstone is about really strengthening the faith community and. We, we do it through events, like we produce an event every year called Lamb of God, which is an Easter oratorio. We've held uh-huh. it at the University of Denver every year. We've per- performed it also in Boulder at the University of Colorado. We've performed it at Trinity United Methodist Church. Oh, wow. And in Colorado Springs. It's a fantastic production. Uh, virtually all of the performers are amateurs. We have an audition choir. We have audition soloists. We have an audition orchestra. Our uh, conductor is a lawyer, actually, uh, volunteer, and it's a wonderful presentation. I've taken, well, I'd probably take 40 or 50 people a year to Lamb of God, wow. and every time we do it, they say, well, it was incredible. Invite us back. Last year, we had a a community leader open house associated with it. So we had government leaders, we had faith uh, leaders, we had business leaders. So we had about a hundred people, both sides of the political aisle, um, lots of faiths represented by leadership in the the faith communities, a lot of business leaders represented, and we brought them all together in the same room. And we had a hard time. They enjoyed the experience so much of being all together that we had to force people to get out of there and up to the performance <laughs> so we could get the performance. Well, so, that's Cornerstone Productions. Now, Paul, I got you, I got four minutes left. Coalition to Simplify Colorado Sales Tax. That's still active, I'm sure. That's very active. Yes. yes. The Coalition to Simplify Colorado Sales Tax was started eight years ago. The genesis of that was 11 years ago. Um, I wrote on behalf of the South Metro Chamber a white paper on how to fix our really broken, complex, difficult sales tax system. We have the most difficult sales tax system in the country. And um, that white paper went to the then Senate president, who, whom I met with. He really liked it. He wanted to sponsor legislation, but he learned that our sales tax system has 
is uh, has its structure foundations in our constitution not through legislation so i continued to talk to legislators found one who would actually carry the ball and she and i wrote a bill that was passed and then i kept talking to people in the business community and i ultimately persuaded jake jabs of american furniture warehouse to join the crusade and jake got involved and then persuaded the auto dealers to join us. They're the largest source of sales tax oh, in yeah. the state. I'll bet. So the auto dealers consider sales tax to be their biggest headache in conducting their business. Um, so they joined us. And then from the auto dealers, they had connections. We now have a board of business uh, owners and executives uh, and business trade organizations that represent 15,000 businesses. So wow. And we created the 501c4, which is it, our purpose is political action. We are funded. We um, are very active. We've had multiple bills that came out of the coalition that have gone to the legislature and been passed. A couple of the most noteworthy things is we succeeded in having a task force created at the state called uh, the Sales Tax Simplification Task Force, which includes legislators, uh, representatives of Colorado cities, representatives of Colorado counties, the Department of Revenue, uh, tax specialists, and large and small business uh, representatives. So I'm the small business representative to that task force, appointed by originally Governor Hickenlooper and then reappointed by Governor Polis. That task force meets every five months. It works closely with the coalition. Um, and as I said, we've had 11 bills passed, and we're progressively moving towards simplifying our sales tax system in partnership with business, cities, Department of Revenue, counties. And we look at issues and say, okay, how do we fix this part of the sales tax? Oh, that's great. We created legislation around those. And we just added to our scope lodging tax, which oh. is every bit as complicated as sales oh, tax. Oh, I'll bet. We had <laughs> Yeah, we had Expedia join our board, and they're you know a huge travel company yeah. who consider Colorado to be their most difficult lodging tax compliance state. So we've now brought in the scope sales tax originally. We now have use tax in our scope. These are all transactional taxes and lodging tax. Well, Paul so, Archer, you're the king of nonprofits. I like them all. Coalition for Effective Healthcare, Cornerstone Productions, wonderful, and the Coalition to Simplify Colorado Sales Tax. Paul, appreciate you coming on Mile High Magazine today. I'm sure all of those have websites that they can check out. And keep up the good work. Good for you, all the stuff you're doing to help people in Colorado. Thank you, Murphy. Thanks for your time. You bet. Thank you for coming on. And thank you guys for listening. It's Mile High Magazine. And we got more coming up. Hang in there. I'll be right back. Murphy Houston.